1: we go episode 303 of the Al Galdi podcast it is Friday April 29th 2022 so Jahan Dotson they could have had Chris Olave could have had Jameson Williams could have had Kyle Hamilton. But our commanders instead took Jahan Dotson. Well, if he's great, then Ron Rivera looks like a genius, and all of the commanders fans whining and crying look like dummies. But if Jahan Dotson is a bust, and or if the likes of Chris Olave, and or Jamison Williams, and or Kyle Hamilton kill it in the NFL, then Rod Rivera looks like the dummy. We on Thursday night had the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. It was the first round that moved quickly. It was a first round that featured a number of trades, including our commanders trading down. And it was a first round that included the commanders taking Penn State receiver Jahan Dotson with the number 16 overall pick. Uh, Next segment, my thoughts on my analysis of what the commanders did and what they are getting in Jahan Dotson. We late night on Thursday night... Had a 20 plus minute press conference for Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew. I will play for you and react to the many key items from that press conference. Uh, what a wild first round of the 2022 draft we ended up having. Uh, the first quarterback wasn't taken until the number 20 overall pick, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking pit quarterback Kenny Pickett. Uh, yeah, the Commanders could have taken any of the quarterbacks in this 2022 draft, including, yes, the Liberty quarterback, Malik Willis. Uh, They did not, nobody did. Pickett was the only quarterback taken in the first round of the draft. Pickett went at 20, the latest into an NFL draft that the first quarterback was taken in the draft since the 1997 NFL draft in which the immortal Jim Druckenmiller was taken by the San Francisco 49ers with the number 26 overall pick. Uh, But Thursday was a wild day, especially in our division, the NFC East. We had the big news that the New York Giants have declined the fifth-year option in the rookie contract of quarterback Daniel Jones. We had the Philadelphia Eagles making a blockbuster trade With the Tennessee Titans, it included the Eagles acquiring receiver A.J. Brown and reportedly agreeing on a mega money contract extension with him. So yet another receiver in the NFL is getting paid big time this offseason. Uh, The A.J. Brown contract, of course, very relevant to a potential commander's contract extension. For Terry McLaurin, with both McLaurin and Brown having been taken in the 2019 NFL Draft, Uh, the reported terms of the A.J. Brown extension, four years, $100 million. Uh, So much to take in from round one of the 2022 draft. I, on the show, will talk so much about what the Commanders did on Thursday night that's coming up next segment. I also on the show will discuss some non-commanders draft items. Uh, I will talk capitals. Uh, They on Thursday night lost badly again, or as they say in hockey, again uh, to the New York Islanders. Second consecutive game, uh, this time a 5-1 loss at the Islanders, as the Caps again blew a chance to overtake the Pittsburgh Penguins for third in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, the Camp special teams and goaltending are really bad once again on Thursday night. Uh, I will talk Nationals. They lost to the Miami Marlins 3 2 at Nationals Park on Thursday afternoon, completing a three game sweep. The Nats scored five runs the entire series. Uh, the Nats now have lost eight consecutive games. I will talk Orioles. Uh, they lost at the New York Yankees 10 5 on Thursday afternoon, completing A three game sweep. The O's committed five errors. Uh, The O's had as many errors as the O's had runs, and the O's scored five runs. Uh, Although there is exciting news for the O's, Uh, they reportedly are calling up one of their top pitching prospects, Kyle Bradish. So I will cover all of this and more over the course of this show. Uh, Good to have you with us, the Al Goldie podcast, for which there will be a special episode this weekend. Yes, a special weekend installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Sunday morning there will be an emergency episode of the podcast, a special commander's draft emergency installment of the podcast, as I will discuss and dissect whatever the commanders do in rounds two through seven of the 2022 draft. You know, the only thing more exciting than an emergency is a scheduled emergency. So this is a scheduled emergency episode of the Al Galdi podcast. And the episode will be out on Sunday morning on what our commanders do in rounds two through seven of the 2022 draft. Uh, I did emergency episodes of the podcast for the 2021 draft. That went well, so I'm doing an emergency episode for the 2022 draft. Again, Sunday morning, that episode will be out. Uh, By the way, before we get to some feedback, uh, how about this? This cracked me up. Georgetown, yes, Georgetown, on Thursday evening, not long before the start of the NFL draft, announced that two more Hoyas players have entered the NCAA transfer portal. I mean, (laughs) You talk about trying to bury news. Georgetown on Thursday evening announcing that two more Hoyas have entered the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, Georgetown on Thursday evening sent down an email that I received at 7.08. Quote, Georgetown University men's basketball players Don Carey and Colin Holloway entered the NCAA transfer portal on Thursday Kerry previously declared for the 2022 NBA draft while maintaining his college eligibility, end quote. Uh, Donald Carey and Colin Holloway were two significant players for the Hoyas this past season. I mean, to me, Kerry was the Hoyas' best player. Uh, now look, Georgetown this past season went 0-20 in Big East games. So as the saying goes, we lost with you, we can lose without you. Uh, but still, two more transfers for the Hoyas under head coach Patrick Ewing. If you're keeping track, Georgetown over the last month has announced six of the school's players as having entered the NCAA transfer portal. Now, the Hoyas have landed a major transfer in Brandon Murray from LSU, so that should be noted. But geez, six Hoyas have entered the NCAA transfer portal over the last month, uh, not all of the players were major players for the Hoyas this past season, but some were, like Donald Carey, uh, like Colin Holloway, and also like Timothy Igwefe. But nice job, Georgetown, putting that out there less than an hour before the start of the first round of the NFL draft. That cracked me up. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al podcast at yahoo.com. Oh, the feedback. To what the Commanders did in the first round of the 2022 draft. Uh, The feedback was, shall we say, plentiful and varied. Uh, Regarding the Commanders trading down, tweet from Alex. Quantity is its own quality. Smart. I agree with you, Alex. Much more from me on that next segment. Uh, Tweet from Christopher Brown. I love this. Wheel and deal. But we got this tweet from Chris. They passed on arguably the best player in the draft for mid-round picks and another too small wide receiver. Tweet from Terry Stan account. Stupid effing trade. (laughs) That's Twitter. That's the high IQ on Twitter. Stupid effing trade. Uh, Email from Michael King. Writes Michael. Well, Galdi. Ron Rivera outthunk himself again. Terrible, terrible pick. Total reach. Uh, email from Luke Archer. I am not a fan of the first round of the Commander's Draft. The only thing I like is the trade. I think they got good value for the trade. And it was smart to trade down because of the position the Commanders were in. Getting a third and a fourth round pick to just move back five spots is great. I do not like that the commanders drafted Jahan Dotson though i think Jahan Dotson could have been a late first round or even early second round pick but the commanders got him at 16 way too far of a reach for a team need i know that this really goes against your opinion of bpa yes as in best player available uh the other players The Commanders could have drafted who I think are better than Dotson in no particular order are Kyle Hamilton, Trent McDuffie, Traylon Burks, Malik Willis, and Kenny Pickett. Dotson is a good player, but the other players available are better. I still hope Dotson will play amazingly for the Commanders, and I hope that Martin Mayhew was right about the mid-rounds in the draft. Keep up the great work, Al, and congrats on episode 300. Can't wait for 400 Well, thank you, Luke. I appreciate that very much. Uh, I'll tell you this. I think that the Commanders may well have had Jahan Dodson as the best player available, as the BPA at the time of the number 16 overall pick. Uh, I think that the Commanders really genuinely like Jahan Dodson. We'll see if they're proven right, but I do not believe that this was a pick for need, uh, not in the minds. Of the commanders, I don't think that Ron Rivera saw receiver as some extreme need for this team. Just as I have not seen receiver as an extreme need for this team. Email from Dr. George Vergeese writes, "The good doctor going to be an all-nighter for you. Trading down was good, but will Jahan Dotson be better than Josh Dotson?" Ah, <laughs> uh, first of all, yes. Uh, this is an all-nighter for me. Let's see, what time is it right now? 2.38 a.m. on Friday. There you go. That's approaching all-nighter status. But, you know, I know that Dr. Verghese is kidding with the Jahan Dotson, Josh Dotson thing, but I bet, I bet subconsciously that one of the reasons a good number of Commanders fans hate what the team did on Thursday night is that Jahan Dotson... Sounds like Josh Doxon. Simple as that. Jahan Doxon sounds like Josh Doxon. The two names sound similar. Ergo, the two players must be similar. I mean, I know that that is ridiculous, right? But that is the warped mindset of the oh-so-damaged fan of the team, now known as the Commanders. We, and I say we, we as a fan base, are extremely damaged. We need a lot of work, okay? We need a lot of work because our team has needed a lot of work for way too long. Well, if your skin needs work, always know that Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are there for you. Dr. Verghese is a board certified dermatologist at Mohs Surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big Commander's fan. He's a loyal listener of this podcast and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, The Institute focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels, if you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer like SRT, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301-396- 3401 That's 301-396-3401. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you, but call 301-396-3401. You also can visit MidAtlanticSkin.com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skin care, contact Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. All right, do not forget to give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Do not forget to write a brief one or two-sentence review on Apple Podcasts saying how much that you like the podcast, and thank you very much for doing those things. So let's begin with this. How wrong does all of the talk that the commanders really liked, say, Ohio State receiver Chris Olave or Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton (laughs) look now, uh, for all of the talk and the reports and the rumors and the speculation That the commanders really liked those guys. Uh, What ended up happening in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft is that the commanders passed on taking those guys. Remember this next year when we, in the lead up to the 2023 NFL Draft, hear about the commanders liking certain people. You know, there are many degrees of liking someone. And maybe it was that the Commanders liked Chris Olave and Kyle Hamilton. Like, I don't think that the Commanders uh, had zero interest in Chris Olave and Kyle Hamilton. But the Commanders clearly didn't like those guys enough to take those guys with that number 11 overall pick. And so the Commanders on Thursday night took Penn State receiver Jahan Dotson with the number 16 pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, Let's start with the trade. So the Commanders, of course, initially had the number 11 overall pick in the 2022 draft, but they on Thursday night traded that number 11 overall pick to the New Orleans Saints for a 2022 first round pick, the number 16 overall pick, a 2022 third round pick, the number 98 overall pick, and a 2022 fourth round pick, the number 120 overall pick. So what Commander's General Manager Martin Mayhew in a pre-draft press conference this past Monday afternoon told us that a trade or trades would likely happen did end up happening on Thursday night. Uh, I liked the trade. I liked the trade a lot. Trading down in NFL drafts is almost always a good thing because there are good players everywhere in NFL drafts. Now, the onus is on you as the front office to pick those players, but at the core of trading down in NFL drafts is a very simple principle. The more draft picks that you have, the more chances that you have to get good players. Simple as that. The more draft picks that you have, the more chances that you have to get good players. And that doesn't mean that a team should trade down with every pick every year, okay? But that does mean that as a general rule, trading down is good, especially when you are lacking in picks in a draft, as the commanders were lacking in picks entering this 2022 draft. Uh, The commanders came into the 2022 draft with just six picks in the draft. The six picks were set to be the team's fewest selections in an NFL draft since the 2010 draft in which the Redskins made just six picks. I never expected the commanders to end up making just six picks in the 2022 draft. And sure enough, the commanders got themselves two more picks in the draft. Uh, The trade gives the commanders five picks over the first 120 picks in a 2022 draft that is not perceived to be top-heavy, but is perceived to be deep. You know, Mayhew this past Monday afternoon said the middle of the draft really in a lot of ways is like the meat of the draft, the heart of the draft. Uh, The five picks over the first 120 picks in the 2022 draft that the commanders have are the 16th, 47th, 98th, 113th and 120th picks in the 2022 draft. So a first-round pick, a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and two fourth-round picks. Uh, This is good. Having five of the top 120 picks in a draft is good. More chances to get more good players. So I applaud our Commanders head coach, Ron Rivera, and our Commanders GM, Martin Mayhew, for trading down as they did on Thursday night. Now, we late night on Thursday night had a press conference for Ron and Morton. Uh, here was Martin Mayhew late night on Thursday night on the thought process for the Commanders in trading down in the first round of the 2022 draft.
2: Yeah, well, as we talked about before, you know, we had six picks. We had uh, three picks uh that are in the sixth and seventh round you know uh we felt like we needed more picks in the middle rounds of this draft we thought would be really valuable so been working on that for a couple days now and talking with several different teams who were interested in moving up and we finally uh were able to strike a deal with new orleans
1: now as for whether the commanders got good value for moving down five spots in the first round of the 2022 draft. There was a lot of conversation about this on Thursday night. Well, NFL draft trade charts have mixed values. There isn't just one NFL draft trade chart. There are a variety of NFL draft trade charts. But OverTheCap.com has, I think, one of the better NFL draft trade charts slash mechanisms slash ways of looking at trades. In NFL drafts. And OverTheCap.com has this trade as a home run trade for the Commanders. Uh, This was tweeted by the founder of OverTheCap.com, Jason Fitzgerald. Uh, I won't bore you with everything, but just here's kind of the bottom line. Uh, OverTheCap.com had the Commanders' number 11 overall pick as being worth 1,785 points overthecap.com had the three picks that the Saints traded to the Commanders as being worth 2845 points. So the Commanders via this trade gained 1060 points. So this idea that like the Commanders got swindled on the trade, I mean it depends what you look at, but I think overthecap.com is one of the more reputable sites out there when it comes to NFL analysis and conversation. Overthecap.com is the best website out there when it comes to talking about the NFL salary cap. And so to me, if overthecap.com says that this trade was a home run trade, I think there's a lot of credibility to that. I think there's a lot of validity to that. Uh, It's interesting. Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew on Thursday night did discuss the idea of the NFL draft trade chart and whether the commander's got proper value in this trade. Here were both Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew on Thursday night on the NFL Draft trade charts.
3: Well, there's several, there's several charts, and, and, and there's different ways to value it. You know, Martin handles that portion of it, um, and again, as we were going through it, he would show me. You know? And then on one chart, he says, you know, we're not getting all the total points, but when we look at the value of it, man, we're, we're, we're way ahead. So you know, if you sit there and you only win on one chart, you know well, you, you may lose on that And, and it may just be a, a simple You know 30, 40, 50 points But then when you see The value chart And you see the money And you sit there go oh, okay That makes sense So you know We try to use them As, as just tools To help us make the decision More so than anything else But you know Martin was on top of everything As we went through that And you know He was punching it Into the computer And it, it was spitting it back out And we're looking at it And we felt very comfortable We really did And I, I thought You know Martin was on top of it
2: Yeah, the charts are really guidelines for you um, of value. Uh, We actually have two charts that we use. And so in that particular trade, we actually lost on one chart and we won on the other chart. Uh, And when I was in San Francisco, we had two charts as well. Um, Some teams have three or four different charts. So they're all across the board. Uh, It's really a guideline. It's about, you know, if you've been doing this long enough, Do you feel comfortable Making that trade Are you comfortable With that value That you're getting You know we got a third round And a fourth round pick Um, So going into tomorrow You know we will have You know our two um, We'll have that three And then going the second day We have two fours now That we didn't have We went from six picks To eight picks And the value of those picks Is what's really important to us
1: Yeah. You know, value is a tricky thing and value means different things to different people. But to me, the idea that the commanders like did a woeful job here, I mean, the commanders moved from 11 to 16, picked up a third round pick and a fourth round pick. Now, if the Saints had traded up to 11 to get a quarterback, then I think the conversation would be different because trade ups for quarterbacks are almost always more costly than trade ups for guys at other positions. But uh, in this instance, I'm not mad at what the commanders got back here from the Saints. Uh, we move now to this, who the commanders did not get in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft. So the number one receiver on the commander's draft board supposedly was the USC receiver, Drake London. Uh, but he got taken. The Drake got taken by the Atlanta Falcons with the number eight overall pick. Uh, Had London still been available at 11, I do think that the Commanders would have taken him, but London was not available at 11. He was taken by the Falcons at eight. However, multiple players who had been linked to the Commanders and or who were very enticing were available to be taken at 11. And like many of you, I'm watching the draft and thinking about the draft and I'm saying to myself, as that top 10 is playing out, boy, this is falling right into place for our commanders. This is breaking beautifully for our commanders. They're going to have their choice of Chris Olave or Jamison Williams or Kyle Hamilton or any of a number of other really talented guys. But those three guys in particular stood out, Olave, Williams, and Hamilton, The Commanders could have had any one of those three guys. The Commanders at 11 could have taken any one of those three guys. And so to me, those are the three guys who we're going to wonder about for a while more than any other guys in terms of those who the Commanders passed on in trading down on Thursday night and then taking Jahan Dotson. Uh, What's so funny is that the New Orleans Saints, with that number 11 overall pick, that they acquired from the Commanders took Ohio State receiver Chris Olave. Uh, the Detroit Lions, with the number 12 overall pick, took Alabama receiver Jamison Williams. And the Baltimore Ravens, with the number 14 overall pick, took Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton. So Olave at 11, Williams at 12, Hamilton at 14. All three guys have the potential to be great in the NFL. I really do believe that. Um, Now, are there nits to pick? Sure. But all three guys have the potential to be great in the NFL. All three guys got talked up a lot in the lead up to this first round of the 2022 draft. And all three guys, to me, uh, I would have been perfectly fine with in terms of the commanders taking those guys. But the commanders didn't take any of those guys. I think it's really notable. What happened here? The Commanders could have had any one of these guys and yet did not take any one of these guys. Uh, Are the Commanders going to look smart in how they played things in this first round of the 2022 draft? Or are the Commanders going to forever regret what they did on Thursday night? I mean, that really is the feeling here, you know, that the Commanders either know more than others do, Or the Commanders whiffed. The Commanders overthought this. The Commanders could have had themselves Olave or Williams or Hamilton, but instead decided, eh, we don't really uh, love any of those guys. We do want more picks. Let's trade down and get someone who we really like. And according to them, they did get someone who they really like in Jahan Dotson. I think it's more than possible that Jahan Dotson ends up being better. Than Chris Olave ends up being better than Jamison Williams, but Dotson certainly was not viewed as being better than those two guys by most people going into Thursday night. Here was Ron Rivera late night on Thursday night on how he sized up what is widely regarded as a very deep receiver class in this 2022 draft and it ultimately settled on trading down and taking Jahan Dotson.
3: You know, we, uh, we, based on the way we had things evaluated, we had several of them in the first round. Um, and so moving back, we felt pretty comfortable with it. And probably the biggest thing, more so anything else, though, is, is one of the guys we really like was there. And that's why we jumped on it. Uh, the thing that's really good about the way he plays that you really appreciate is that he goes after the football. He's got a tremendous catch radius, as you saw by some of the highlights. Um, His focus on the ball is tremendous. And uh, as, as Martin talked about, you know, on those 50-50 balls, he, he, he's, he's coming down with it. I mean, he really is. So you're excited about that. You know, he reminds me of Deshaun Jackson a little bit. He reminds me of Steve Smith a little bit, a guy a little bit uh, smaller in stature, but plays bigger than that. And, and that's what we feel pretty comfortable and very confident about it. Um, as Martin said, you watch him. He lines up in the slot. He winds up as a Z. He winds up as X. And, uh, and he also has some punt return ability as
1: well. So how about that? Had you like that? Ron Rivera on Thursday night comping Jahan Dotson to Deshaun Jackson and Steve Smith Sr. Pretty good company in which to be. Uh, here was Ron Rivera on Thursday night on how much his evaluations of the receivers in the 2022 draft were impacted by how Ron saw those receivers as fits for Carson Wentz.
3: Well, I think a lot of that happened, you know, once we got Carson obviously then we the focus really became on getting him the weapons. Looking at these guys and saying, Okay, you know, obviously the, the 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 biggest target was London. I mean, you know, you said this guy's just, you know, gigantic catch radius, a big body, knows how to separate. But then you started looking okay, this is a speed guy that's gonna get downfield and you know, he'll make these plays over here, but he's not as polished underneath route runner. You know, and then you got the dots and you sit there and go, Wow, this guy's a polished route runner who works works very well underneath, but he also has the ability to go vertical. And we thought, you know, this is how we'll rank him, this is how we'll put him, and this is where we think he fits the best. And when we got to there, as Martin said earlier, we knew this is this is where we couldn't pass him up.
1: All right. So let's finally get into the actual player who the Commanders took on Thursday night, Penn State receiver Jahan Dotson. So Jahan Dotson over his four seasons at Penn State was a big time playmaker. Uh, this stands out more than anything to me about Jahan Dotson. So Dotson played for Penn State for four seasons, 2018 through 2021. He, over those four seasons, had 38 receptions, each of at least 20 yards, had six touchdown receptions, each of at least 60 yards, had 10 touchdown receptions, each of at least 40 yards. Again, playmaker. Uh, Jahan Dotson has good hands. Uh, Dotson in his 2021 senior season at Penn State for Pro Football Focus dropped just two of his 93 catchable targets. How do you like that as a percentage? 93 catchable targets, just two drops over those 93 catchable targets. Uh, Ron Rivera on Thursday night talked about what really stood out to him about Jahan Dotson. Take a listen.
3: Well, probably the biggest thing is you know when when you look at guys and you and you break them down, you also look at who he's playing with, okay, and 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 you know not to knock any of the, his teammates, but I, I, I'm the quarterback they had was a good player, okay, he, he wasn't a great player, but he was a good player, and he just seemed to make this guy better, and and you saw the catches that he made. You know, I'm trying not to kill the kid, but you sit there and you think, well, he didn't throw a very accurate ball, but this guy was making him look good. Um, you know, he caught over, you know, he 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 caught for over a thousand yards. I mean, he set records uh, for for Penn State, and and you just know that there's more to him because you know it's not like there are a lot of weapons there around him. You know, his, his teammates were good, but they weren't. You know, I mean, you look at some of the other teams that had two, three. Four weapons on, on the field at the same time, and you think, wow, this guy, you know, they knew the ball was going to him, and he was still making plays. And that's what that's what gets you excited when, especially when you put the tape on and you watch game after game and you see him catching seven, eight, nine, ten balls a game. I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive.
1: All right, look, we know that Ron Rivera likes to talk. Ron Rivera on Thursday night talked quite a bit about why Jahan Dotson ended up being taken. By the commanders, uh, there's also this with Jahan Dotson, and this is a basic thing, and this is a thing that can't be overrated. But when you are a receiver, I do think that this is a thing that matters: uh, speed. Jahan Dotson is fast. Jahan Dotson at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine ran a 4.43 forty. So you take a step back here. Consider the playmakers on offense now for the commanders. Consider the skill position players for the commanders and the speed that is possessed by these guys. And look, I know not all of these guys have been lights out for the commanders. I get that. But you have Jahan Dodson at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine having run a 4 4 You have Curtis Samuel at the 2017 NFL Scouting Combine having run a 4 3 you have Terry McLaurin at the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine, having run a 4 3 You have Antonio Gibson at the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine, having run a 4 3 And you have Diami Brown at the North Carolina Pro Day in March 2021, having run a 4-4-4-40. I know. This is football. This is not a track meet. I get that. And I know Curtis Samuel, Diami Brown, big time disappointments in the 2021 season for Washington. And Antonio Gibson certainly has been, I think, overall good for Washington. But it's not like we've seen much in the way of breakaway speed from Gibson with Washington. So I get it. I'm not hanging a banner for all of these 40 times here. But think about the speed now that is possessed by the commanders on offense. Dotson 44340, 4, Samuel 43140, McLaurin 43540, Gibson 43940, Brown 44440. 4, uh some more from Ron Rivera on Thursday night. Here he was on having in Jahan Dotson, not just a speedster, but an actual polished receiver.
3: That was important to us because again, you know, we wanna make sure there are, are weapons around Carson. Uh, we wanna make sure we, we can protect him. And so as we go through this draft, we're keeping that in mind. I mean, that's part of our discussion. When we looked up at the board and we looked at how many guys we had in both those categories and felt really good about those guys in those categories, that's why we felt good about going backwards. Because we felt that if, if if one guy wasn't there, another guy was potentially gonna be there. Um, and when we got to the point where we felt, you know. These were the values of these guys. And then we went ahead and made the decision, that, okay, we're, where we need to be? Now we can pick.
1: All right, let's talk size. So Jahan Dodson is a smaller receiver. Now, I got a kick out of some of the people who were so upset that, oh, they took a smaller receiver. Do you know how many good smaller receivers there are now in the NFL, okay? Like, yes, bigger can be better, okay? Drake London is bigger. I would have had no problem with the Commanders taking Drake London, but Drake London was not available to the Commanders. And there are enough smaller receivers who have had great success in the NFL now to where, I mean, I think we need to get off this thing of, oh, he's too small to succeed. Like, no, okay? Um, Now, it's interesting with Jahan Dodson, smaller receiver, yes. He, interestingly, though, did not play in the slot a ton at Penn State. Now, Perhaps that'll change in the NFL. It may well be that Jahan Dodson ends up playing out of the slot a lot for the Commanders. But he did not play out of the slot a lot at Penn State. So first of all, the size. Uh, Dodson at the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine measured as being five foot ten and five eighths of an inch and 178 pounds. So he's shorter than 5'11. Uh, but Dodson, over his four seasons at Penn State for Pro Football Focus played on 1,148 snaps as an outside receiver as compared to just 225 snaps as a slot receiver. So Jahan Dotson at Penn State for PFF lined up on the outside five times as much as he lined up in the slot. Now again, that could be different at the NFL level. Remember, the commanders have options in terms of slot receivers. I mean, Curtis Samuel, if he's healthy, uh, can line up in the slot. Terry McLaurin can line up in the slot. Uh, You could also do something like put J.D. McKissick or Antonio Gibson in the slot. So, you know, it's not like one guy can only play from one spot all of the time. You mix and match. In today's NFL. But I do think that that's notable, and I think that that probably surprises a lot of people that Jahan Dotson at Penn State lined up on the outside far more often than he lined up in the slot. Uh, He was Martin Mayhew on Thursday night on Jahan Dotson.
2: Yeah, well, he was high on our board. Obviously, we took him at 16. Um, The guy's got speed, he's got playmaking ability, Uh, he's got uh, really competitiveness, competitive. uh, some competitiveness when the ball's in the air. Uh, he's kind of like Terry in the fact that he's not like the biggest guy, but the 50-50 balls, he has the ability to go up and get those. Um, the guy's just got re- tremendous ball skills, and he's got some versatility. So he can play in the slot. He can play outside. He c- he can return punts. So he brings a lot to the table, and he helps us in a lot of different ways.
1: So we had Ron Rivera comping Jahan Dodson to Deshaun Jackson and Steve Smith Sr. We had Martin Mayhew right there comping Jahan Dotson to Terry McLaurin. Uh, there's also this with Jahan Dotson. He at Penn State had success as a punt returner. Uh, Dotson, over his four seasons at Penn State, uh, did only total 19 punt returns, so the sample size isn't massive, but he did end his Penn State career as the school's all time leader in career yards per punt return at 17.8. Here was Ron Rivera on Thursday night on whether the commanders will make it a point. To have Dotson on punt returns in his rookie season,
3: uh, a little bit, but we do expect to put him on the on the football field an awful lot. Um, he was one of the guys that our our offensive coaches had rated a lot higher, and so we uh, we spent a lot more time on him just because they felt so confident about him in terms of a fit. You know, we had a couple guys that we had uh, you know true fits on, and he was one of the guys. And so, you know, like I like like Martin said, and then I said, you know, he's one of the guys that we had rated highly in the first round.
1: You know, so much of this with Jahan Dodson comes down to whether the commanders properly evaluated him. Um, I think pretty clearly the commanders had Jahan Dodson rated highly on their draft board. Uh, I don't think that this is the commanders trying to address a need and panicking and just taking Jahan Dodson. Like, No, I think the commanders really liked Jahan Dodson. And I think some of this other stuff that was out there about these other receivers uh, was a smokescreen that maybe the Commanders liked some things about these guys, but I think the Commanders really liked themselves Jahan Dotson. Now, you know, that can be a little scary as a Commanders fan because we know that last year the Commanders really liked Jamin Davis, liked him more than I think a lot of other people did. And so far, that does not look like such a great first-round selection, the Commanders having taken Jamin Davis with the number 19 overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. So we'll see. You know, this is one of these things where you're like, well, uh, you better be right, okay? Because you could have had Chris Olave, you could have had Jamison Williams, you could have had Kyle Hamilton, you instead traded down and got Jahan Dodson. But, you know, I'm not one of these people who is throwing a temper tantrum over this either, because there are plenty of things to like about Jahan Dodson. There is plenty of reason to be intrigued by Jahan Dodson. It just comes down to the commanders having more information than the rest of us and the hope, okay, the big time hope that uh, I certainly have, and I'm guessing many of you listening have, that the commanders are right about Jahan Dodson and not wrong about Jahan Dodson. We shall see. Well, in the ultra-competitive real estate market that is the Washington, D.C. area real estate market, you want a real estate agent who is right far more often than the real estate agent is wrong. You can't afford for the real estate agent to be wrong. Well, Kellen Hunt is right, and he's right for you. You know, it's crazy out there right now. You have rising interest rates. You have sky-high prices of homes. You have the intense competition for homes. That's why if you're looking to buy a home in the D.C. area, you should go with Kellen Hunt as your real estate agent. Uh, Did you know that in Chevy Chase, Maryland, 66% of homes are sold within 10 days of being listed? On Capitol Hill, 60% of homes listed are sold in 10 days or less. In Georgetown, 43% of sales so far this year have been cash transactions. There's a lot to be thinking about. Kellen Hunt will guide you through the process of buying a home, that's right for you. Visit closeitwithkel.com right now and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. You see, Kel and Hunt understands what it's like out there right now. Uh, Kellen Hunt is a real estate agent for real people. First-time buyers looking for guidance, young families that need space to grow, the empty nesters ready to retire. If you're looking to buy a home in the D.C. area, you need a real estate agent who understands the market and can match you with a home that meets your needs because that's what real estate is about. You, your needs, your dreams, finding the right place for you. And Kellen Hunt isn't just a realtor; he is a young entrepreneur. He is a father. He is a husband. He is a homeowner himself. Uh, Kellen Hunt is a smart guy, creative person, and above all, Kellen Hunt gets it. Plus, he's willing to put a portion of his commission back in your pocket. Yes, you, the buyer, get a piece of the action when you work with Kellen Hunt. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit. Close it with Kel com. That's close it with Kel, K-E-L-L dot com. And book a call with Kel and Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent That's close it with Kel.com. Close it with Kel.com. If you're trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kel. Visit close it with and tell Kel that com and tell Well, if you did not like what the Commanders did in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft, and you are a Capitals fan, uh, (laughs) then Thursday night was a bad night for you. Uh, I am a lifelong Caps fan, and the Caps on Thursday night for a second consecutive game were embarrassingly bad in a loss to the New York Islanders. Uh, Boy, the former Caps head coach, the man who coached the Caps to their 2018 Stanley Cup title, the Islanders' current head coach, Barry Trotz. Uh, old Trotzy, he must be laughing like crazy right now, even though, yes, his Islanders are not going to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and our Caps are going to the Stanley Cup playoffs. But the Caps have gotten ripped by the Isles in each of the Caps' last two games now. Uh, we, on Tuesday night, had the Caps losing to the Islanders 4 one at Capital One Arena in the Caps' regular season home finale. And we, on Thursday night, had the Caps losing at the Islanders 5-1. The Caps fell to 44-25-12 with this 5-1 loss at the Islanders on Thursday night. Uh, This was the Caps' penultimate game of the 2021-2022 NHL regular season. The Caps came into the game just one Point behind the Pittsburgh Penguins for third in the Metropolitan Division. So the Caps could have overtaken the Penguins for third in the Metro, but the Caps instead fell on their faces. Uh, the Penguins have just one game left in this 2021-2022 NHL regular season, and yet the Caps, for a second consecutive game, got smashed by the Islanders. So the Caps have 100 points. The Penguins have 101 points. Both the Caps and the Penguins will conclude their regular seasons on Friday night. Uh, The Caps will be at the New York Rangers Friday night at 7. The Penguins will host the Columbus Blue Jackets Friday night at 7. Alex Ovechkin on Thursday night did not play for a second consecutive game due to his upper body injury that he suffered in the third period of the Caps' 4-3 shootout loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs at Capital One Arena. This past Sunday night, going to be very interesting to see if Ovechkin plays on Friday night. Uh, as you may recall, Ovechkin last regular season missed seven of eight games late in the regular season due to a lower body injury, but did then return to play in the Caps' regular season finale, and then was good to go for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Might we have a similar scenario on Friday night? Uh, forward Carl Hagelin does remain out of having undergone left eye surgery on March 1st. Forward Joe Snively remains out due to a left wrist injury, although the Caps on Wednesday announced that they had reassigned Snively to AHL affiliate Hershey on a long-term injury conditioning loan. But it's troubling that the Caps have been as bad as they've been over these last two games. The Caps on Thursday night for a second straight game were horrendous on special teams. Uh, The Caps went 0-6, on the power play, the Caps went just two of five on the penalty kill. For a while, the Caps were rolling on both the power play and the penalty kill. And now, over these last two games, the Caps have been inept on the power play and on the penalty kill. Uh, the Caps on Tuesday night and their loss to the Islanders at Capital Win Arena were woeful on special teams. 0 of four on the power play. The Caps gave up a shorthanded goal. To Casey Zizekas in the third period, and the Caps went 0 of 2 on the penalty kill. The Caps over their last two games are 0 of 10 on the power play and are a pathetic 2 of 7 on the penalty kill. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game session with reporters on Thursday night on the Caps' brutal special teams in this 5-1 loss at the Islanders. You know, there's a lot of a lot of special teams that. Uh, you know, didn't go our way tonight. So we're going to have to
3: be better in that area. Um, Certainly not the
1: result we're looking for when we're trying to push for wins and uh, game tomorrow night. Yeah, would be nice if the Caps were not atrocious on special teams at the Rangers on Friday night. Uh, Also, we on Thursday night had more bad goaltending for the Caps. Uh, Vitek Vanacek, was the cap starting goaltender for a third time in four games, but he stopped just 21 of the 26 shots on goal that he faced. Boy, Vanacek with a good performance on Thursday night could have perhaps solidified himself as the cap starting goaltender for the Stanley Cup playoffs, but instead Vanacek allowed five goals. Uh, Now, what was funny was Vanacek for natural stat trick actually stopped seven of the eight high danger shots on goal that he faced, but he gave up four goals on medium-danger shots on goal. Uh, I tell you, it's hard to say what all of this means for the Caps regarding the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Obviously, it would be better for our Caps from a seeding standpoint to finish third in the Metro as opposed to finishing as the second wildcard team in the Eastern Conference. But the Stanley Cup playoffs, as we know as Caps fans, Uh, is a land in which so often so little makes sense. I mean, up is down, left is right, lesser teams beat better teams, struggling teams become hot teams. So I don't know. Maybe the Caps going into the Stanley Cup playoffs playing like this ends up being very telling, or maybe none of this (laughs) ends up mattering. We just don't know. But for now, the Caps look like anything but a playoff team. Up next. I'm talking Nationals. Uh, They, too, do not look like a playoff team right now, especially when it comes to their hitting. What is up with the Nats offense? Another really bad game in what ended up being a really bad series against the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park. And still to come, the Orioles. Uh, They are calling up one of their top pitching prospects. All of that and more is on the way after this. Well, normally teams don't exactly look forward to nine game road trips, especially trips across the country. But for the Nationals right now, going away and going far away uh, may well be what this team needs. Uh, The Nats are about to begin a nine game road trip, Uh, three games at the San Francisco Giants, followed by three games at the Colorado Rockies, followed by three games at at the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, and hopefully that nine-game road trip for the Nats will go a lot better than their just-concluded 10-game homestand went. Uh, the Nats on Thursday afternoon lost their eighth consecutive game, 3-2 the final, to the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park to complete a three-game sweep. Uh, yeah, the Nats suffered a three-game sweep at the hands of of the lowly Marlins. You know, it's one thing to suffer a three-game sweep at the hands of the San Francisco Giants, as the Nats did this past weekend, but to get swept in three games by the Marlins, uh, that's not good. Uh, This homestand began with a double-header sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks now two Tuesdays ago, April 19th, but the Nats then ended up losing their final eight games of the homestand, a two-and-eight homestand, an eight-game losing streak. Uh, the Nats this season now are just six and fifteen. The Nats have gone from six and seven to six and fifteen. And what continues to kill the Nats is their offense. Uh, the Nats right now are a horrendous offensive team. That's just the truth. Uh, the Nats in their three-game sweep to the Marlins scored a total, a total of five runs. That's it. A five-two loss on Tuesday night. A two-one loss on Wednesday night, and a 3-2 loss on Thursday afternoon. Uh, The Nats, in this eight-game losing streak, have scored a total of 16 runs. 16 runs over eight games. Two runs per game. Uh, The Nats, now this season, over 21 games, have scored a total of just 67 runs. That works out to just 3.19 runs per game, and if you take out the outlier, which was the Nats scoring 11 runs in an 11-2 win at the Atlanta Braves on April 11th? The Nats in their other 20 games this season have totaled just 56 runs. Uh, that works out to just 2.8 runs per game. Uh, the Nats on Thursday afternoon scored just their two runs, had just four hits. Now three of the hits were doubles, so we did at least have some extra base hits from the Nats. So uh, the Nats did work four walks. uh, The Nats still continue to not hit home runs. You know, three doubles were nice, but some homers would have been better. Uh, The Nats over their 21 games this season have totaled just 11 home runs. The Nats did not hit a single homer over the course of these three games against the Marlins at Nationals Park. Uh, Some individual player observations from Thursday afternoon. So Nats manager Davey Martinez for a second consecutive game did have Josh Bell batting in the number three spot and Nelson Cruz batting In the number four spot, Uh, Cruz had been the dance number three batter in each of his previous 18 games this season. Uh, The flip-flop so far really hasn't done much. Uh, Josh Bell continues to hit well and Nelson Cruz continues to struggle. I mean, that is what was happening prior to the flip-flop. Uh, Bell on Thursday afternoon as the Nats starting first baseman and number three batter went one for four with an RBI double did strike out twice but Bell in a Nats one run first had a one out opposite field RBI double to right field for a one nothing Nats lead as Bell did a great job of going the other way with a 96 mile per hour fastball from the Marlins starting pitcher. Trevor Rogers. Uh Josh Bell this season has been good. He has been the Nats' best batter this season. Uh Bell this season has a batting average of 328, has an on-base percentage of 442, has a slugging percentage of 484. Uh but then there is Nelson Cruz, who simply has not hit so far this season. Uh Cruz on Thursday afternoon as the Nats' starting designated hitter and number 4 batter went 0-3 with a walk. Uh, Cruz, in the bottom of the ninth, drew a leadoff four-pitch walk, but the numbers for Nelson Cruz this season are brutal. Batting average of 160, on-base percentage of just 259, slugging percentage of just 240. Uh, his on-base is greater than his slugging. Not supposed to work that way. Uh, Juan Soto, on Thursday afternoon, did draw two walks, but Soto also went hitless. So Soto as an ad starting right fielder and number two batter, 0 for 2 with two walks. Soto in the bottom of the sixth drew a one out five pitch walk. Soto in the bottom of the eighth drew a two out five pitch walk. But how about the discrepancy between Soto's batting average this season and his on-base percentage this season? Now, I am not big on batting average. I usually don't look at batting average, but uh, this does highlight a key point here with Juan Soto. He's just not accumulating many hits so far this season. Soto is batting just 243. Now, he has an on base percentage of 418. That's great. I mean, Soto overall is drawing walks. Now, the walks had slowed down lately, but overall, he is getting his walks. But again, on base percentage of 418 is quite good, but he's not racking up the hits. And he's also now slugging just 429 this season. You know, Michael Franco this season has more hits than Juan Soto has. And that's not to say that Franco has been a better batter than Soto has been, but um, it does sort of highlight this phenomenon, at least so far, of Juan Soto not piling up hits, as we know Soto can. Uh, Also, regarding the Nats lineup on Thursday afternoon, we, for a second consecutive game, had Lucius Fox and not Alcides Escobar as the Nats' starting shortstop. Uh, As we have discussed, Escobar is off to a really bad start, In his 2022 regular season, batting average of 123 on base percentage of just 194, slugging percentage of 140. Uh, He has not looked good in the field. He has looked old and slow in the field. Uh, Escobar already this season has minus four defensive runs saved. Uh, Now, as you may know, uh, Luis Garcia has been like a human wrecking machine as a batter for AAA Rochester. The Nats, for whatever reason, are not calling Garcia back up right now. Uh, Maybe sometime soon, but not right now. Uh, And so it has been Lucius Fox as the Nats starting shortstop in each of the last two games. Uh, This is the age 24 season for Lucius Fox. He was born in the Bahamas, was signed by the San Francisco Giants as an international free agent in 2015. The Nats got Fox this past November 30th uh, via waivers from the Orioles. Uh, But unfortunately, Lucius Fox has struggled. He has struggled mightily. Uh, Lucius Fox on Thursday afternoon, as the Nat starting shortstop and number eight batter, 0 for two with a walk. Uh, now him drawing a walk was significant because he coming into this game had not had a single hit or a walk at all in this 2022 regular season. Uh, but Fox in the bottom of the fifth drew a one out six pitch walk despite having been down in the count at one point one two. So that was good. But uh, Lucius Fox then got picked off at first base by Marlins starter Trevor Rogers for the second out. So, oh, Lucius finally got on base, but he then got picked off. Uh, Lucius Fox now this season, 0 for 20, with one walk. I mean, Osiris Escobar has been bad, but he hasn't been that bad. He hasn't been 0 for 20 with one walk bad. Uh, also, Fox in the Marlins one-run third committed a throwing error as uh, he on a slow grounder had trouble getting the baseball out of his glove and then made an errant throw to first baseman Josh Bell. Although I tell you what, in fairness to Fox, Bell could have made that catch. He did not make the catch. So I guess if you have to charge someone with an error, you charge Fox with an error. But that was a catch that Bell could have made. Uh, This is why errors are always tricky to look at in terms of trying to assess whether a guy is a good fielder or not. Because I don't know, if Bell makes that catch, then uh, we're not talking about any kind of an error here for Lucius Fox. But he doesn't make the catch. You could argue he should have made the catch and Fox winds up with the error. Uh, an offensive bright spot for the Nats on Thursday afternoon, in addition to Josh Bell, was Cesar Hernandez. Uh, he is an Nats starting second baseman and number one batter, did have two hits, two for four with an RBI double and a single. Uh, Hernandez in the Nats one run first, had a first pitch leadoff single to center field. Hernandez in the Nats one run eighth, had a two out RBI double off the left field wall to cut the Nats deficit. To 3 2. Victor Robles did have a double on Thursday afternoon. He was an Nats starting center fielder and number nine batter. Uh, he went one for three with a double, but he also had two negative moments in center field. Uh, Robles in the Nats one run eighth had a two out first pitch double to left center field. That was good, but Robles in the Marlins one run third committed a fielding error. On a two-out RBI double by John Birdie to the left center field gap on a 1-2 pitch to tie the game at one. is Robles had trouble fielding the baseball, uh, Birdie ended up on third base. And Robles, in the Marlins' two-run seventh, uh, could have made the catch on Brian Anderson's first pitch leadoff double, but did not make the catch. And Robles, to be honest with you, looked like Lane Thomas out there. You know, Lane Thomas has had a problem this season on balls hit behind him. And as Thomas has had to track these balls while running toward outfield walls, uh, Thomas has been twisting and turning and has had problems. Well, Robles on this play on Thursday afternoon turned two different ways while running toward the center field wall. I don't know if the catch would have been made. It certainly was not an easy play to make, but it is a play that Robles can make. I mean, he, at his best, is an outstanding defensive center fielder. He did not make the play. The ball ended up bouncing off the bottom of the wall. Uh, So we did see some sloppy defense by the Nats in this series, but bottom line, I mean, just way too little offense from the Nats in this series and in this season so far. Uh, Yadiel Hernandez on Thursday afternoon, starting left fielder and number five batter, 0 for 4. Uh, Michael Franco on Thursday afternoon, starting third baseman and number six batter, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Riley Adams on Thursday afternoon, starting catcher and number seven batter, 0 for 3. You get the idea. As for the that starting pitcher in their 3-2 loss to the Marlins at Nationals Park on Thursday afternoon, uh, Patrick Corbin was the starting pitcher. Yes, you know old Corby, don't you? Uh, the same Patrick Corbin who in his previous start, which came in a 7-1 loss to the San Francisco Giants at Nationals Park this past Friday night, got shellacked, uh, got ripped seven runs in one In two thirds innings. This is the same Patrick Corbin who, over four starts in this 2022 regular season, had an ERA of 1120 and a whip of 256. If his ERA was 256, that would be lovely. But no, his whip was 256 coming into this game on Thursday afternoon. Uh, This is the same Patrick Corbin who had been oh so bad in each of the previous two seasons. Uh, Now, Davey Martinez did not announce until the day before this game that Corbin was starting this game on Thursday afternoon. I don't know that it's accurate to say that Corbin on Thursday afternoon was pitching for his spot in the Nats rotation, but I tell you what, another disastrous outing by Corbin may well have cost him his spot in the Nats rotation. So it doesn't have to be that his rotation spot necessarily was on the line, But had he gotten worked the way he got worked last Friday night, uh, then I do think it's possible that old Corby might have been out of the Nats rotation, at least for now. But Patrick Corbin on Thursday afternoon did not get worked. Uh, In fact, Patrick Corbin on Thursday afternoon was good. Yeah, let me repeat that. Patrick Corbin on Thursday afternoon was good. Uh, He, to me, had his best start so far. This season was nice to see this. Uh, Now, look, uh, we have seen this from Corbin over the previous two seasons in which he has struggled. He will follow up a blow up start with a decent start, even a good start, and then he'll go right back to getting shredded. So I'm not going to go crazy here over what Corbin did on Thursday afternoon. Remember, Corbin last September pitched well in four of his last five starts in the 2021 regular season. That stretch has turned out to mean nothing. Uh, but I shall give credit where credit is due. Corbin on Thursday afternoon was good. You know, he needed a good start and he had a good start. Uh, Corbin allowed three runs to earned in six innings, but he was better than that final line indicated. Uh, Corbin had eight strikeouts. Uh, he only gave up four hits. Uh, now, three of the hits were doubles uh, to go with a single, but he only gave up four hits. Uh, he issued two walks and a wild pitch. He, over his six innings, threw 90 pitches, 62 strikes, versus 28 balls. Uh, Corbin in the top of the third gave up an unearned run. Uh, Miguel Rojas began the inning by reaching second base on that throwing error by Nat shortstop Lucius Fox. Corbin gave up a two-out RBI double to John Birdie to the left center field gap on a 1-2 pitch to tie the game at one. Uh, That was the play on which Nat center fielder Victor Robles committed his fielding error, and Corbin then issued a two-out six-pitch walk of Jesus Aguilar. Uh, Corbin was charged with two runs in the top of the seventh, so he did pitch into the seventh inning in this game. That has been also oh rare so far in this 2022 Nats season, a starting pitcher pitching into the seventh inning. Uh, now, Corbin in this seventh inning gave up a first pitch leadoff double to Brian Anderson on that fly ball in which uh, Robles turned two different ways while running toward the center field wall. Uh, Corbin then issued a hit by pitch of Miguel Rojas and then got pulled from the game in favor of Victor Rano. Now the hit-by-pitch of Rojas was scary, really scary. Uh Corbin hit Rojas on his head. Uh Corbin squatted down, and you could tell that he was very concerned about Miguel Rojas. Uh Corbin looked to be shaken up by what happened with Miguel Rojas. Uh Corbin certainly seemed rattled, and that appeared to be part of why he was taken. Out of the game, and then two inherited runners ended up scoring. Uh, Victor Urano to make that Patrick Corbin final line worse than it should have been. But here was Davey Martinez during his post game press conference on Thursday on the performance of Patrick Corbin. He threw
5: the ball. Well, he really did. I mean, the last, um, the last inning out there, you know, he, he threw a pretty good pitch to uh, to Anderson, and then uh, the, the the hit. You know the hit batsman scared him. You know, as you saw, he went down a little bit. And um, you know, but I thought he threw the ball. Uh, he threw the ball really well today. And if he could repeat that in five days, uh, that'd be that'd be awesome.
1: Yes, uh, that would be awesome. Understand though that Patrick Corbin's next start would seem likely to happen at the Colorado Rockies, i.e., at Coors Field. Uh, where pitchers go to get whacked around, where pitchers go to get smacked around. So that would figure to be a little more challenging than what Corbin faced on Thursday afternoon. But good job by Corbin on Thursday afternoon. Now, here was Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference on Thursday on pulling Corbin after that hit-by-pitch of Miguel Rojas.
5: No, he was, he, was, he was rattled, so I just kind of wanted to get him to calm down a little bit. Um, Damn, it's a, it's a scary situation now. I'm gonna call, you know, Donnie here after we speak and make sure that he's okay. And yeah, you never want to see anybody get hit, get hit, you know, especially in the head.
1: No, you don't. Uh, so overall, a nice outing from Patrick Corbin on Thursday afternoon. But Victor Arano did make Corbin's final line worse than the final line should have been. Uh, Victor Rano in the Marlins two-run seventh allowed two inherited runners to score. Now. Arano has pitched a lot for the Nats so far this season. Arano is the new Wander Suero, okay? Davey Martinez loved to make usage of Wander Suero, and Victor Arano quite clearly has taken the baton from Wander Suero in terms of being Davey's favorite in the bullpen, just when it comes to pure usage. Victor Arano on Thursday afternoon made his 11th appearance of the season. Understand, Thursday afternoon's game was game number 21 for the Nats, In this 2022 regular season, Arano has pitched in 11 of the Nats' 21 games so far in this 2022 regular season. And Arano did struggle on Thursday afternoon. He came into the game with runners on first and second, no outs in the game, tied at one. Uh, Arano gave up an RBI single to Jesus Sanchez through the right side of the infield for a 2-1 Marlins lead. Uh, Arano issued a one-out run-scoring wild pitch for a 3-1 Marlins lead as Arano failed to catch a flip from catcher Riley Adams at home plate, and Arano issued a one-out hit-by-pitch of John Birdie. Also, Arano did a bad job of holding on Marlins base runners in the inning. Uh, The Marlins had two stolen bases in the inning. Uh, You know, Nats relievers in this three-game sweep to the Marlins at Nationals Park officially combined to give up just one run unearned in 10 and two-thirds innings. But you do have to be careful with that because you had something like Victor Urano struggling on Thursday afternoon. He was not charged with giving up any runs, but he clearly did not pitch well and he allowed two inherited runners to score. You also had something like what happened with Andres Machado on Wednesday night. Machado in the Nats 2-1 loss to the Marlins at Nationals Park on Wednesday night, came into the game in the top of the fifth with runners on first and second, two outs, and the Nats trailing one nothing. He issued a two-out, six-pitch walk of Jesus Aguilar to load the bases, issued a two-out, five-pitch bases loaded walk of Jorge Soler for a 2 nothing Marlins lead, did then strike out Jesus Sanchez on four pitches for the third out. But, you know, Nats relievers in that game officially combined for four-and-a-third scoreless innings, but that was a bit misleading. Overall, though, the Nats' bullpen in this series was good. Unfortunately though, the Nats overall are not good right now. Next up for the Nats is a three-game series at the San Francisco Giants. Game 1 Friday night at 10:15. Aaron Sanchez will be the Nats starting pitcher. So more from Davey Martinez during his post-game press conference on Thursday
5: yeah we get i mean we we got to stay positive for sure you know as i said before look we're, we're all about you know competing and trying to win every game um it's been tough you know i'm not gonna lie it's been tough you know i've been staying up i've been looking at a bunch of different things trying to get guy, you know guys better um Right now, we just we're not we're not having uh, throughout our lineup. There's no consistent at bats. You know, uh, you know we, we're taking some walks. We're not we're not getting that big hit. We're not you know we're not having that that big big inning. Um, so we we you know, we need to start swinging the bats a little bit better. I think our pitching's you know for the last for the last few days have kept us in the game. Um, so, you know, and that's for me that's a positive. So if we keep our pitching right there, uh, you know I said all along you know, we're going to hit. You know, you know Soto's going to hit. You know, bells you know he's done well. Um, you know Yachty swinging the bat. You know pretty pretty good. Um, we got to get Nelly here. We got to get Soto on track. Uh, you know um, the good good thing is, is that you know the, you know Nelly took his walks today. Soto took 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 his walks today. Um, and then the bottom lineup, You know they're going to do what they do. And, and you know and for me it's whatever they can do to help us offensively. They'll do that. You know, Robles hit, you know, got on top of a, a fastball after we talked to him, you know, the whole day about getting on top and drove a ball left center field. So if he can continue to do that, you know, he's going to be okay. Um, uh, so, but we got to we got we to gotta get some consistency out of our lineup and, uh, and start hitting the balls. You know, it's hard to win when you score one, two runs a game.
1: Yeah, it's very hard. Uh, I do have confidence that Davey Martinez will keep this Nats team together. I don't expect to hear about infighting or guys turning on each other or anything like that. But there's no doubt this Nats 2022 season already is getting ugly here. You know, six and 15 is the record. Eight game losing streak is what we're in the midst of. And the Nats are just not hitting right now. It is painful to watch. I do expect the bats to come around, but uh, they very much need to come around. Yo, know, Davey can tinker with the lineup all he wants. Bottom line, these guys need to start hitting. Uh, the Nats aren't a good team. They are a bad team, but their hitting shouldn't be this bad. I don't believe that the team is this bad offensively. So the Nationals on Thursday afternoon suffered a 3-2 loss to the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park to conclude a three-game sweep, and the Orioles on Thursday afternoon suffered a loss that concluded a three-game sweep. Uh, The O's lost at the New York Yankees at 10-5 on Thursday afternoon, wrapping up a three-game sweep of the O's, who over the course of the three games gave up 27 runs. Uh, Yes, the Orioles' run prevention wasn't exactly stellar. Uh, the loss concluded a 3-7 and seven road trip for the O's, who now have lost four consecutive games. The O's this season now are just 6-13. and 13. Uh, The Orioles' defense on Thursday afternoon was awful. Five errors. Yeah, the O's on Thursday afternoon committed five errors. Uh, here's all that you need to know. Bruce Zimmerman was the Orioles' starting pitcher. He has been the Orioles' best starting pitcher so far this season. He, on Thursday afternoon, gave up four runs, all of which were unearned in four into third innings. Uh, Zimmerman tossed four scoreless innings, but then was charged with 4 unearned runs in the bottom of the fifth, during which the O's committed two of their five errors in the game. Uh, Zimmerman finished the game with five strikeouts. He gave up five hits, two doubles, and three singles. He issued one walk. He threw 76 pitches. Uh, The good news for the O's is that they finally are hitting. Uh, The O's over the course of these three games at the Yankees did total 15 runs, uh, this off having totaled 16 runs in winning two or three games at the Los Angeles Angels this past weekend. The O's in this 10-5 loss at the Yankees on Thursday afternoon scored five runs, totaled 14 hits, seven doubles, and seven singles. Yeah, the O's hit seven doubles on Thursday afternoon. Austin Hayes hit three of the doubles. Uh, Hayes, as the Orioles' starting left fielder and number four batter, had an RBI double, two other doubles, and a single. Uh, Hayes, in the Orioles' 12-8 loss at the Yankees on Tuesday night, as the Orioles' starting left fielder and number six batter, had a two-out three-run homer in an Orioles' four-run eighth, also drew a walk. Uh, Austin Hayes this season is doing well. He has an OPS of 8.35. but the most exciting item regarding the O's on Thursday— was this, multiple reports on Thursday evening that the O's are calling up pitcher Kyle Bradish. Uh It had been suspected that the O's would be doing this, and the O's are, in fact, doing this, per multiple reports. Uh, the O's on Friday night will begin a 10-game homestand with game one of a three-game series against the Boston Red Sox at Oriole Park at Camden Yard, 7.05 first pitch. And we, on Thursday evening, had multiple reports that the O's will be calling up Kyle Bradish. From Triple A Norfolk to be the Orioles starting pitcher on Friday night. Uh, this season is Bradish's age 25 season. Bradish was taken by the Los Angeles Angels in the fourth round of the 2018 MLB draft out of New Mexico State. The O's got Bradish in the Dylan Bundy trade. Uh, December 2019, the O's acquired Bradish as part of the trade package from the Angels for starter Dylan Bundy and Braddish so far this season for AAA Norfolk has been outstanding. Three starts, an ERA of 120, a whip of 0.73, a strikeouts per nine innings of 10.2. Kyle Braddish for MLB Pipeline is the Orioles' number 10 prospect He's listed as being six foot four and 220 pounds the only two pitchers in the Orioles Farm system who are more highly regarded than Kyle Bradish is are Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall uh, and those two guys are two of the more well-regarded pitching prospects in all of baseball heck Grayson Rodriguez is the consensus number one pitching prospect in all of baseball so very exciting to see what Kyle Bradish will do on Friday night in his major league debut. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You could tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So the next episode of this podcast will come out not on Monday, but on Sunday. A scheduled emergency installment of the Al Galdi podcast will be out on Sunday morning, reacting to and analyzing whatever the Commanders do in rounds two through seven of the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, the Commanders for now have seven picks left in the 2022 draft, but we shall see what transpires. So do not miss and do not forget about a Sunday installment of the Al podcast, a special Commanders draft installment of the Al podcast, what will be episode 304 of the pod. So have a great rest of your Friday, have a great Saturday, and I'll talk to you on Sunday.
3: He reminds me of Deshaun Jackson a little bit. He reminds me of Steve Smith a little bit, a guy a little bit uh, smaller in stature, but plays bigger than that. And, And that's what we feel pretty comfortable and very confident about it.